What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of... Getting a cash flow game with K&K. All right! I missed the cue last time. Yeah. So, we got the, my buddy Dave Allred, who, um, what do you know, another Avengers, part of the 100 Mill Mastermind. This guy's really cool. Um, he's just got a lot of stuff going on. He was like a VP of sales, and then he syndicated. At Vivint, so it's a home Vivint. security yeah. company. He was like so a badass sales leader. We just talked about that. He syndicated a thousand units. He's investing in restaurants. They have a fund where they just raised over twenty million dollars. Um, I don't know. He's doing some other building some crazy like resort style living second homes basically they're trying to do this ex experiential investing and that, that's what See, it's Crystal called says it more classy than i do no, that's, yeah so uh basically what they're trying to do is is take kind of like the normal mundane for example we're in multifamily investing and not just do the usual like you know uh, fixing up the units and that sort of thing, adding storage and all the things that we do, the regular amenities, they're actually taking a look at this with kind of a fresh, different approach where they're adding different, like specific amenities. Um, like some of them are just, I mean, it's very cool ideas. I think some of the stuff for, you know, people who, uh, have pets and things like that. I know that they have like, you like know, dog parks and like, uh, like little we work stations and that sort of thing. maybe you know uh, you can charge your car I don't know they probably have a whole list of stuff they're doing and and, and like I, I think actually the stuff is so um, unique that we can't even grasp it right now because it's very unique so they are trying to kind of uh, create a different style of living um, which is so smart I think in the kind of world that we're living in today where uh, a lot more people are working from home. Home is more important to people than ever. So kind of creating these communities where there's a lot of different amenities and things that would draw people in to live in these communities is a very smart and cool idea. And as you can imagine, we talked about real estate investing. We talked about cash flow. I think we talked about raising some money. We talked about leadership with him because he had a lot of sales people under him, which was really cool. So obviously I think, you know, Dave has become a really big leader and probably teach people a few things about sales and on top of that the cool thing is we got to talk about our kids and just like the mindset around kids and things like that and so anyways without further ado ladies and gentlemen Dave Allred. Dave thanks for coming on appreciate the time awesome so Dave you and I met um, through Avengers Mastermind so it's awesome. I get to meet so many cool people through there. But I want to jump right in with you. Um, can you give us just a little bit about your background and kind of like, you know, how you landed to the spot you are today right now in real estate? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Utah, a little town called Manti. And I uh, grew up in a you know very low-income home, blue-collar, low-income. And uh, we never really talked about, you know, investing or real estate or anything like that. Uh, going to college, and uh, you know, I always knew I wanted – a lot in my own life I had I was pretty ambitious as a teenager and you know I had to set some pretty clear uh, goals on where I wanted to get to in life and when I was going to college uh, there's a recruiting booth set up to recruit college students to go out and actually go you know door-to-door -door selling home security systems and uh, in the pace the pay looked really good right and I was like hey you know what that does not sound fun but it's a good opportunity to maybe get ahead financially and so 
jumping that opportunity when I went to Chicago, Illinois, for four months. And honestly, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Thought about quitting a million times, struggled a ton at the beginning. Luckily, I was able to make it through that summer, you know, and I, I made $31,000 that year. And for me, wow. that was life-changing, right? Like, it was a huge deal. Um, came back, bought an Isuzu Rodeo with the chrome wheel package. <laughs> and, uh, That's so awesome. and that was amazing, right? And, and uh, you know, and the next year I managed the sales team and did really well and then became a regional manager and then uh, vice president of sales for the company and uh, ended up spending 17 years, um, you know, with this company. It's called Vivint, uh, Vivint Smart Home. Uh, ended up going public as a multi-billion dollar IPO. Uh, and then switched over with sister company, uh, Vivint Solar, uh, does residential solar corridor. And uh, also that company ended up going public as a multi-billion dollar company as well. And so had the opportunity to manage about 200, and, sorry, 121 sales teams across the country, a few thousand sales reps. And it was a really good leadership opportunity to, to not only learn salesmanship, but, uh, you know, hard work and, and uh, doing something that I would say really how to become comfortable being uncomfortable, which I actually think is a very valuable skill to be able to, you know, be okay being uncomfortable. Even in real estate, sometimes the best deals are the deals that have some hair on them. You know, they're, they're hard, they're, they're more challenging. Other people don't want to take on that, that, you know, that work, but the most upside I found sometimes are in those type of deals. But anyway, so that was kind of the journey. Um, along the way, I was always trying to figure out ways to take that active income into passive income. And it was always in the pursuit of accomplishing true financial freedom, which I define as having enough passive reoccurring income to cover your family's cost of living. And so, you know, when I was 30 years old, I reverse engineered, you know, exactly how many rental properties I would need to be able to have that financial freedom. And so I remember it clearly, I sat down on a Sunday for about four hours, took a spreadsheet out and said, okay, what's my financial freedom number? And, um, you know, so I wrote that down and then I said, okay, how many years am I going to commit to accomplishing this goal? And I said, 10 years. And it, it you know, reverse engineered the numbers. I came out to me, I needed to have 40 rental properties by age 40. And so I committed that goal, wrote it down, reverse engineered it. Um, I just went to work on it at age 30. And uh, just keep putting all my, you know, any extra money into that, into that business model and kept, you know, trying to learn more and more about how to do real estate right. And luckily I hit that goal when I was 36 years old. And then, um, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? That was actually not that hard. And so what's next? And for me, because I always like to set goals that are a little bit outside my comfort zone. I feel like when you're, you know, a little uncomfortable, and it scares you a little bit. Like, what are the best goals? Because it creates emotion and excitement. And so I said, hey, you know what? I want to, I want to get ownership in a thousand rental properties by age 40. And so I wrote that down, reverse engineered it, and went to work on that. And uh, was able to hit that last year when I turned 40. And um, um, but 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 with it with it with the Vivint career, I retired when I was um, in 2017. It's so about four years ago, and decided to go full time on real estate. You know, I, I love real estate. I've been passionate about it. It's all, it was a side hustle for a long time. But then, you know, once I got that, that confidence, and that competency, I decided to go full time in this space. And it's been an amazing journey. I've been really grateful to, uh, have, you know, gotten turned on to real estate a long time ago. That's amazing. I love that you had a goal to have 40 rental properties by the time in 10 years and you accomplished it four years early. Is that right? And then yes. you went from 40 to 1,000. I mean, I think that is like a 
true testament to you being comfortable being uncomfortable because that's a pretty big delta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I can do 40, I can do 1,000. That's great. I love it. You know, I call it the, the law of Big Mo. Well, John Maxwell calls it that. But, um, you know, when you have momentum, everything's just so much easier. And so, you know, I, you know at that point, I had, I had a team. I had advisors. I had a real estate coach. I had, you know, some some confidence. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, one thing in my own personal life that I've always lived by is, as a guiding principle is that I want to always beat yesterday. And I always want to be doing bigger deals than I've done in the past. And that's in all parts of my life, whether that's in, in adventure and experiences and, you know, skydiving or climbing Mount Everest or, you know, traveling internationally, which we try to do, you know, every quarter. And it's always just trying to do things on a bigger level than I have previously. And so when I started out doing townhomes and condos, that was great. And then jumped into fourplexes and I love that fourplex, you know, that model, that small multifamily uh, space. I think I've done about 21, 21, 22 fourplexes, and those were awesome. But then I started doing, you know, a 12 plex, and then a 20 plex, and then a six, 60 plex, and then, you know, 220, then a 420. And anyway, just always increasing that. You know, and, and then from that point, I jumped into doing apartment syndications. And I love that space when I'm bringing my friends and people I care about into these deals with me and creating value for them. You know, I've done about a dozen of those, and I was like, okay, what's next? And for me, the next was, okay, I want to become a fund, a real estate fund manager, right? So we recently launched the Axia Partners Fund about four or five months ago. And uh, so I'm currently working on that. And so anyway, I think that's, that's what's, to me, at least in my life, I'm the happiest and I feel the most fulfilled when I'm making forward progress. And when I feel like I'm making, you know, I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm developing and I'm becoming the best version of myself. And I found that the best way for me to do that is to always chase bigger deals than what I've already done. That's awesome. Couple questions for you to backtrack. So one thing I love that you said, because literally it's exactly like Crystal's probably not as much excited about it as me, but one thing I'm doing is like we, so we rent, we don't own a home. Um, and I just said, the reason is because we're just taking our money and we keep buying multifamily. But I tell people, my goal is when I buy a home, that means, you know, that my multifamily cash flow not only covers my house, but my lifestyle. And so I, when I go to work every day or whatever I do, it's just to buy more property, not to, you know, pay for my lifestyle. And you mentioned something that your goal was to get cash flow to pay your, you know, lifestyle or your bills or whatever. Where did you just like wake up one day and you, oh, just the triggered or did somebody like teach you that or where did you figure that out? Um, you know, I'd say I have a, several thoughts on that, but the, the main one is I realized a long time ago that at my core, what really motivates me the most is freedom. Like it's not my net worth. It's not anything else. It's having a lot of freedom in my life and it's freedom to be doing what I want to be doing with the people I want to be doing it with when I want to be doing it. And that fires me up, man. And honestly, it's not so I can go, you know, lay on a hammock in the Bahamas all, all day. It's so I can be doing life how I want to do it so I can be proactive I can be behind the steering wheel and I can actually control my time our most precious resource and be doing what I feel is going to give me significance and happiness in my life you know I, I you know I, I'm very intentional in my approach in my life and I you know thus far in my life I have I can literally say I have no regrets I have a lot of lessons learned but I don't have things a lot of regrets and when I'm you know 80 90 100 130 whenever on my deathbed looking back at my life 
I want to be able to say I have no regrets. And so, you know, having that freedom allows me to really live life on my own terms. And so I'd say my, my primary answer there, um, Kenny is, is, is realizing early on that I wanted real freedom and then re reverse engineering that saying, okay, so if this is the quality of life that I want for me, my family, my kids, what do I need? How can I approach my investing strategy with intentionality and purpose to be able to, to fast track that freedom? And, and so I asked my CPA, I said, Hey, you know, what are all your wealthy clients doing that I'm not doing? And he said, every one of his wealthy clients either own businesses or real estate or both. And that made a lot of sense to me. Like, well, okay, I need to figure that out. I need to get in the real estate game. And so then I was just, you know, took it upon myself to become a, a student of the game of real estate. And it was studying, you know, books, podcasts, mentors, hiring real estate tax, or real estate strategists, coaches, you know, joining masterminds, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't even tell you guys how much I spend a year, you know, on investing in that, you know, personal development. But I mean, it's six figures. And, but to me, the, the ROI is there, right? Um, a lot of times in real estate, we simply don't know what we don't know. So if we can have other people help us show the way, show us the way and, you know, what landmines to avoid, I think that really helps to facilitate, to fast track that process. Um, but anyway, so number one thing I would say there, uh, Kenny would be, you know, freedom and getting really clear on, 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 on what you, what you really want to accomplish. Um, the second thing I would say is, you know, I, I, I would say it's just realizing, well, <laughs> Part of it was I didn't like paying taxes. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Real estate's a great way to not, you know, to have a more tax advanced, you know, tax sheltered uh, approach. And, and, sure. and uh, that's that probably part of it as well. Um, and then a third one was I was doing something that was really hard, right? I mean, there's probably not a harder way to be out making your money than literally cold contacting, you know, uh, selling door to door, you know, selling security and, and, and solar systems. And so I think, you know, because that was so challenging, I realized, hey, if I'm gonna work so hard for this money, I want to be a good steward over this, and I want to learn how to make my money work for me. And uh, whereas what most people do when they make more money is they end up starting their, their cost of living goes up proportionately, and they actually don't really get ahead. They they just get a higher cost of living, which is actually can be even more detrimental than anything. And so, luckily, I had some discipline. You know, and I'd say that part of that came from growing up in such a, you know without having a lot and so i think i was more appreciative and grateful to have some, some of that that i i helped i i valued it a lot and i just wanted to make it work for me so anyway that was kind of a long answer man but i think those are my primary points and um actually if i could share one last thing it'd be number four is i created something called lifestyle design and it's a you know as i was interviewing these thousands of sales reps that i, I led I'd ask, I'd sit down and do a one-on-one performance interview and ask them, hey, you know, why are you here? What's your holy cause? What's your purpose? What's your outcome? And everybody always gives like a really quick answer. Okay, I want to be rich. I want to get a sports car. I want to buy a new home. I want to, you know, travel, whatever. But when you ask them, you know, a few more questions, you dive in a little bit deeper. I was, I was really surprised with how ambiguous it gets. And people don't have a real clear understanding of what they really, truly want in life. And so as a leader, you know, I wanted to help inspire these guys to have a bigger, you know, why, why they're doing this, because, you know, they say the bigger, the why, the easier, the how. And so, but I took it on my personal, to personally figure out for me on an individual level. So I started sitting down and drawing out exactly what I wanted in my life. And it's evolved over the last, you know, 12 years into 10 different sections. So it's, you know, it's Dave's lifestyle design. 
And, you know, chapter one is my, 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 my purpose statement. It's like my mission statement for life, my core values, my uh, guiding principles, my non-negotiables. And then chapter two is my, my time. And then it's my health, my family, um, experiences, business, spiritual uh, memories and relationships. And so there's 10 categories that I feel like are really important to live a well-balanced, significant life. And so I just started writing those things down and, you know, tracking that, that progress. And in the financial section, you know, I, I'd written down, how do I get true financial freedom? And it was just an ongoing process of going back to that question. Like, you know, what's the best way to accomplish this and be strategic and intentional with it. So anyway, that was a, and by the way, that lifestyle design, it's a, you know, it's not a product I've tried to sell or whatever, but I have shared with a few other people and I mentioned on a few other podcasts and I've gotten really good feedback from, from that. And so if any of your listeners would really like to get a copy of that lifestyle design, they're welcome to send me a DM. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest, just Dave Allred. And I'd be happy to share a, a template of that with any of your, your viewers that adds value for them. That's awesome. I love that. That's awesome. I, I want I want your lifestyle <laughs> design. I think we should all do that exercise. It is it's it's interesting. You said so many things there that um were so great, but um it, I I agree with you that your life changes. You know, I think when you don't have any money, yeah, you do. You want the car, or the shiny thing. You just want to be able to have that. Like that that's your kind of feeling of freedom when you're so strapped to or chained to this like you know amount of money that you're making and you're living this budget, but. Um, one of the things that kind of struck me that you said about freedom is I think a lot of us might say if we had financial freedom, I would, you know, lay in a hammock in the Bahamas all day. But what you've been able to do is build something that you really love doing and you've been able to enhance it even more as you go. Like, okay, I figured out real estate. Now I'm going to you know, buy bigger properties. Okay, well, I bought bigger properties. Now I'm going to do these like experiential properties or these things. And I kind of just want you to go into that because I think that people don't even realize how, you know, if they kind of keep going on this path of discomfort, like this uncomfortable thing that's scary and unknown, that you can actually get to this place where you not only have financial freedom, but you have the freedom to do things that really inspire you that you love. So can you kind of go into how that's, kind of transformed for you and, and what you're looking at now as you buy properties? Yeah, you, you bet. So, you know, on that note, what's funny is, so you get that financial freedom and everything, right? But I'd say I'm, I'm actually working harder than I ever have in my life right now. But again, to me, that's what's, it's part of the, the, the journey. It's just, you know, becoming the best version of ourselves. And I, you know, when I look back when I was 20 years old, you know, I was really proud of what I was doing. And, uh, but then when I was 30 years old, looking back at 20, I'm like, man, I was thinking so small. Like I could have been doing so much more. And when I was 30 years old and I was managing, you know, all these teams across the country, I, I thought I was killing the game and, and doing really well. But now I look back at age 40 and I'm like, man, I could have been doing so much more. You know, and I, I hope that when I'm 50 years old, I look back at today and say, you know, I wish I could have done, I wish I had a bigger mindset. I could have been doing even more. I hope when I'm 100 years old, I look back when I'm 90, I'm like, man, I was doing some cool stuff. But yeah. I wish I could, have been, I could have been doing more, right? So I think, I think life's really about finding the best, the best version of ourselves. Like that really is kind of, if you ask me to define what success is, I would say it's, it's the pursuit of the best version of ourselves in life, you know? And so, you know, and that's not just in business. That's with uh, your family, right? With your personal development. It's with, with everything. And so, 
Yeah, and I think some people like that's kind of crazy when they hear that. Cause like, man, you know, you want to. The idea of retirement is is take it easy and get to a point where you don't have to work anymore. Um, to me, that sounds like mis- that sounds miserable to just like not have anything you're building or working on anymore. So, uh, you know, but part of that's probably I've, I've been able to, to design these these uh, you know this career that I have now, where I'm literally working with my best friends. Um, so awesome. You know, I have a few hundred capital partners and it's, it's all my social network. It's my friends, you know, it's people I want to help create value and create financial freedom through passive income for them. You know, my business partners in the Axia fund are some of my very best friends and they're absolute studs. And it's like when you can blur the line between your working and playing, that's a beautiful place to be in, right? Where like you actually want to be working with the people you're working with. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think that at the end of the day, you look back on life and what really matters is experiences that you, you have. It's the memories and, you know, it's relationships, the people that you're you're working with and around. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Did that answer the question or what, what was what was the, the question again? Yeah, what was kind of like, wh- what are you looking at doing now in your business that's really inspiring you? And what would you say that, you know, how did you get to that point? Cause like invest, I think she's means like, I think as you go along as a real estate investor, you start with the condos, but even now you guys have your fund, you've kind of changed your investment, you know, strategy of how you approach a property. It's not like, Hey, let's just buy it and do the old same old stuff. And, you know, you guys have, like I said, you're kind of almost reinventing a a, sector in the market, right. Or whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. I I would say there's two, probably two main points there. One is, what I call experiential investing. And the second one is, you know, our investment thesis with, uh, with Axia partners, as well as me personally right now, is all about risk mitigation. And so let's start with the risk mitigation. So, you know, we're 12 years into this phenomenal housing market, um, you know, and like with our fund, it's a five to seven year fund. And so to me, it's not a, a matter of if there's a correction, recession, at least some stagnation, it's a matter of when. And so, um, so to me, it's, you know, when we approach investing, the primary number one goal is to not lose. Like, you know, Warren Buffett says rule number one in investing is don't lose your principal. Yeah. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so with our fund, our approach is our investment thesis is really, okay, how do we, how do we, you know, mitigate the downside risk while still creating a really strong yield for our investors? You know, there's a book called asymmetrical risk, asymmetrical investing. It's phenomenal. So again, it's about creating low risk on the downside of loss, but then still creating strong yields and margins. And so we approach that by going into assets such as RV parks, self-storage, and multifamily, which are all recession-resilient asset types to begin with. And then we only go into markets where there's a positive net migration. And so I know you guys are in California, but you know there's we're looking at you know the the U-Haul data and all these different trends showing where people are, are migrating into. And so we really like Texas, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, as examples there. And so we look at those trends. You know, we only buy stabilized real estate. Uh, every single asset we buy is with a value add approach. I think adding value to your assets right now is a is a great way to be able to create some 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 buffer to whatever happens in the markets naturally, because we're actually influencing and impacting the net operating income through our actual efforts and investments into the asset. And so anyway, that's kind of our overall approach with, uh, with that, um, you know, on a personal level, almost every investment I'm doing in the last two years has been 
into value add uh, real estate. And I just think that value add play is really, really smart right now, considering that we're so far into the current housing cycle. That's my opinion. I'm not a financial advisor, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's, you know, it's been received very well with our partners as well. And then the second thing I was mentioning is experiential investing. And so the tagline for our fund is experiential investing. And what, what that means to me is it's not just increasing the experience for our tenants and the communities through our, you know, improving the assets, but it's also creating experiences and education for our partners. And, you know, this is somewhat proprietary. I've never seen somebody else do this before, but we'll share it openly. And so with our fund, we decided, hey, you know, we want to create value for, for everyone as much as we possibly can. And so for our investors, we have a monthly webinar with some of the top, you know, real estate people in the country coming on, speaking about real estate, Q&A, they can ask any questions. It's very engaging. You know, we let all of our partners come to do due diligence walkthroughs, uh, watch our underwriting. It's super transparent because we actually want to be able to teach our partners how to do what we do. You know, instead of giving somebody a fish, we're trying to teach them how to fish, right? And that's been really, really well received and something that our partners have been very, very uh, grateful for. Um, but yeah, you guys are right. Experiential investing. Um, you know, I think that right now people want experiences. It's something that, you know, this the millennials, it's the younger generation. People want experiences, whether that's how they travel, how they invest, how they, they, their relationships, you know, even in work, people really are craving experiences. You know, on a personal note, last thing here, um, you know, one of my goals I wrote down in 2020 was to, to not invest in things, but to invest in experiences. And I'm really committed to that right now with my family and my life is to be investing in experiences, not things. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you one question. Um, when you were back in your corporate job, um, you manage a lot of people, like which is crazy, which is teaches you probably a lot because um, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. And today you're kind of you're managing people's money, I guess, right? I mean, you're investing and managing it. What kind of what is the difference? Because now you're managing a lot of money you raise, which is awesome, and you're managing people. What do you think the difference is um, between the two? And like, what have you kind of learned from both? <clears throat> yeah, good question. Um, you know, raising money from from friends. I have a lot of people ask me a question like, "Dave, doesn't that stress you out, man? Like, isn't that a that sounds like it'd be really um, stressful?" And my answer is. Yes, absolutely. It's a fiduciary responsibility. Anytime you bring in capital, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy responsibility. With that being said, um, I would much rather have my friends coming in than some institutional money or credit union or whoever else. Um, because, you know, my mindset is I'm going to do these deals either way. I love multifamily real estate. I love passive income investing. And so I'm already passionate about this. I'm going to do it on my own anyways. Why would I not bring in the people I care about? Why would I not bring in my friends and the, the people I love in my life to help create value for them as well? And so I think it's just a mind, it's a mindset. And, you know, and, I, and, and frankly, you know, knock on wood, we never you know, lost a dollar of investor money on these deals. And it's been really amazing to get the feedback and the appreciation that comes from being able to help, you know, these people start creating that, that financial freedom. Um, you know, 
what we do in multifamily and with syndication and even this real estate fund is somewhat alternative. You know, it's not your traditional, you know, stock broker, you know, a stock, you know, TD Ameritrade or, you know, Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, you know, trying to sell a retirement account or a 401k or even a stock brokerage account. And so for a lot of people, they don't really quite, they're not very, they don't, it, it's, it's almost a learning process sometimes to be able to teach the power of this structure that we do with real estate syndication and funds. But it's been an amazing, ma- amazing process. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect at it. I have a lot, a lot to learn, but it's been a, a, such a fun journey, man, to be able to create value for people you care about. In terms of how that, how that differs from, you know, leading, you know, hundreds, thousands of, of, of sales individuals. Um, you know, it's, I'll say, I'll say this, when I first jumped out of, uh, that career and going went into real estate, I was, I was more of a solopreneur, you know, I was always, you know, my syndications, it was just me doing all of the work. I didn't have a team with me. And actually what I realized was I, I really missed that interpersonal development, you know, of, of working face to face with these guys and helping them become their best version. And so that's what really drew me to the fund structure was, you know, I wanted to have a team, you know, where we're synergistic, we're collaborating and I have other guys on the same mission that I'm on. And so that's why why I've enjoyed the fund structure so much is having, there's a total of eight of us and we're all like-minded guys that are, you know, out there on the same mission. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of differences for sure. You know, managing people on a daily basis versus managing people's money is, is, is definitely Definitely different. Very, very different. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of examples on that, but uh, probably keep it keep it at that for now. I'm sure you've got a lot of good stories. <laughs> um, what I was going to ask you is, uh, I think a couple questions here. Somebody that's watching this, there's probably a couple people. Number one, it's they're buying you know condos, and then they want to go to the next level of scaling. Right. And then just like you did, there's a shift there. And then there's also a person that we meet a lot that could be 40s. They've been in the W2 job, the rat race. They're over it. They're burnt out. Um, They haven't got ahead. They just probably, like you said, their expenses have gone up, but not their income, not their savings. And they're realizing like this isn't really going the way I planned. What's your advice, you know, if you could break down both, but for somebody that wants to get into real estate or something else, like I think both are just a mindset shift, right? Like it's like you said, it was a goal and how do you do it? But what, what's advice for either of those two scenarios for anybody listening? All right. I got this. Here we go. I got a few <laughs> things. I'm just having a few things. So you got to bear with me. Okay. Yeah. Number, number one is, is my, I would challenge that individual to, 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 to speak. Find some personal time, sit down, and really get clear on what the end goal is. What's the ultimate outcome that I want to get from my investments? Very few people really know. Most people invest based on FOMO, fear, fear, greed, fear, greed drive markets. And uh, you know, I, I love saying that the higher the emotion, the lower the intelligence when it comes to investing. And so, unfortunately, most people make investments based on emotion. Oh, they don't want to miss out on, you know, on, on Bitcoin. They don't want to miss out on the, on, on this crazy deal on this, you know, around the corner on, on a property. But instead it should really be based on intentionality and purpose, right? So the higher the, the higher the emotion, the lower the intelligence. Just kind of remember that. Um, I think it's a much better, higher quality question is, you know, does this investment align with my, 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 my life goals, you know, where I really want to get to financially. And so, you know, make sure that money 
matters. Make sure that you're tying purpose to money and that we have intentionality. You know, you'll hear me say the expression reverse engineer a lot. I think, you know, very few people know what they really truly want in life. But if they knew that, then they can literally take an investment opportunity and say, okay, does this opportunity align with what I'm really trying to accomplish in my life? And if you know what that is, you can make a lot higher quality questions, sorry, a lot higher quality decisions. And in my opinion, life, where we get to in life is really just an accumulation of all the decisions you made along the way. So if you can make a higher quality decision consistently, you're going to be in a lot better place down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. I love that so answer. There's so many people that are talking about doing real estate and they end up with analysis paralysis. And they don't take action. You got to take action. You know, even if, don't, don't go all in, you know, right now, but at least get your feet wet man. jump in and get, get a property. You know, a lot of guys ask me, well, Dave, how do I become a, a millionaire in real estate? My answer is super simple. Buy at least one property per year. That's and naturally there's four four ways we make money in real estate. Cash flow, appreciation in the market, depreciation, and then the principal pay down. Those are the four primary ways. And so if you own a property and keep adding every year, you can get more and more cash flow. You can get more and more market appreciation, more tax benefits of depreciation, and your, your tenants are going to be paying down your, your principal reduction every single month for you. So you naturally will grow wealth. And so just simply at least get one property a year. You know, we had a, we were out in Dallas and we had Emmett Smith, you know, speak to us and he was talking about how Jerry Jones gave him the same advice. He's like, just buy real estate. The best way to get true wealth is to buy real estate consistently. Um, and then in, in terms of maybe, maybe how to approach that, um, the last thing I would share is I, I wish that when I got started, I would have gone a little bit bigger than I did. You know, I bought townhomes and condos for hundred grand or hundred grand. I wish I would have gone bigger. And, um, and it doesn't have to be going out and you know, buying a 200-unit apartment complex to begin with. But personally, I believe the best um, type of assets for brand-new investors would be either a duplex, triplex, or a fourplex. You know, it's still a residential loan, but you have multiple streams of income. You know, if you have one tenant or one vacancy, the other, you know, streams of income should at least be able to cover your debt service. And, you know, especially if you can live in one unit and, and, and have – you know, um, what do you call it? A uh, user, um, uh, home, you get better terms, right? If it's your own primary home as well. Yeah. Owner-occupied, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. Home, owner-occupied financing. In best case, you know, a lot of people don't understand that if you live in a home, it's a primary home for two years. When you sell that, you know, all of the gains are 100% tax-free. Not even deferred, but tax-free if it was your primary home for two years. But if it was a fourplex and one unit was your primary home, you actually get all four of those units, the whole fourplexes, appreciation, you know, tax-free. And so, anyway, I love the fourplex model. I think I've done, I don't know, 20-plus of those that I've owned and uh, invested in. Love that fourplex model. So, I, I'd recommend small multifamily um, if you can, if you can afford it to get into it. I think that's a great starting point. I love that you mentioned that. I mean, that's how we – well, we, we bought a house and then sold it for the, you know, tax-free money. It wasn't a fourplex, but – it certainly helped us get started with apartments, and then our goal has always been buy one property at least a, a year. year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
And yeah. it does. It's, it's kind of interesting because I think once you get going, you start to think, well, um, I need to do more. I, I feel like I, I need to do more. I want to go faster. Uh, but then you look back at your life, even when you're, you feel like that kind of energy to, to do more or that you should be doing more, at least you look back on your life and you go, wow, I, I kind of like laid some good groundwork. We're actually pretty set up. I know I don't think we'll ever be exactly where we want to be because I think that's part of being a driven goal-oriented person there's always something bigger you're working towards but you look back and you go wow I made a couple decisions that I think are going to play out pretty well for me in the years to come one thing there too is like with the power of 1031 exchanges which hopefully those don't go away in the future here but um you know those ones that those first little townhomes and condos that I bought you know they they ended up appreciating you know 2x plus and then I, I was able to 1031 exchange one little condo up into a fourplex just with the equity, so no additional cash out of pocket, and go from one small door to, to four doors, you know. And then some of those first fourplexes that I bought back in 2014, you know, at 600 grand, you know, they're now worth a million dollars. And so I can I can 1031 exchange those up into you know a hundredplex apartment complex. And and actually, what's been really fun lately is even to take one of those. Well, this is kind of a competitive secret here. So hopefully none of my other competitions uh, listening to this here in the Utah market, but. Some of those fourplexes I bought for six hundred thousand, you know, the best comps right now are at a million dollars. But I, I realize that if I go back and I subdivide that into two duplexes, okay, there's no duplex inventory, and there's a huge demand for that because people want to be, you know, owner occupied, but they also want to be real estate investors. And so, by subdividing it, I got, you know, I'm, I'm getting six hundred fifty dollars, six hundred fifty thousand dollars per duplex. So that's a total of one point three million. So just by being creative and thinking outside the box and paying attention to the market, subdividing that, which only costs $600 for the civil engineer, now I have $300,000 of additional upside. And then I just you know, take one of those duplexes, 1031 exchange that into two brand new fourplexes. So I took a duplex into now having four doors, right? And anyway, there's a lot of ways to approach it, but that's an example of you know, the power of just having real estate. And, and, and the last few years have been an anomaly, right? I mean, that's irresponsible to think it's going to continue to appreciate like it has in the last five or 10 years. But regardless, that principle still is true, right? Just get in the game, own it. And naturally, eventually, it will have appreciation. That opens up so many more doors to be able to, you know, leverage that equity. I call it velocity of money. You know, you always want to be, you know, moving your money and doing what you can. And it's almost like a game of chess. You know, you're strategically moving these these little chess pieces around to try to win the game. Anyway. I like that. No. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I tell people all the time uh, that are doing the analysis paralysis thing, and it's like they're looking for the home run all the time, and they never end up doing anything. And it's like every deal is not a home run, but you can get some – you're going to get some home runs. You're going to get some doubles. Maybe you'll break even on some things. Like, But at the end of the day, as long as you're ahead and you keep the momentum going – the one thing that we found is the more you keep the momentum going, the more the opportunities come to you because you're open to receive them. So if if you're if you're saying no to every single opportunity, they're just they're going to slow down or stop coming to you in the future. So it's it's about that momentum. Yeah. Two more questions for you. One um, is, I know you mentioned coaches and you're in masterminds. Just quickly, I mean, this is my first mastermind, Avengers, um, which I love. Um, just just the people that you get to meet is unbelievable. And then, you know, all these people always say it's everybody's very, very busy. 
but everybody kind of stops their lives for two, three days and you get everybody's time and expertise. So it's literally priceless, right? You know, you understand that. I was going to ask you just with mentors, coaches, masterminds, like how much is that really significantly, does it significantly change your life and with investing and home life and just kind of want to get your perspective on that. I, I would say it's really helped me mainly to scale quickly. You know, um, I, I realized that <clears throat> the biggest risk in real estate is that we don't, is what we don't know, you know, so we all, we, and we all naturally have blind spots with how we operate. It's just human nature. And so having somebody else that can give perspective and kind of help you avoid those landmines and, uh, and really just be a sounding board that's unbiased and that wants to help you win is super valuable, man. Um, you know, and, and, and even, you know, even if they don't give you a correction, at least it validates you. It gives you, you're able to be more bold in your approach because you know, hey, it's not just me. You know, I have a team of advisors or a mentor that's also given this it's his blessing. And so I think it's super valuable, man. Um, you know, and, I, and I, would, I would challenge your listeners to try to find the very best advisors and mentors that they can um you know there's a lot of people that will do it for free um so take advantage of that but uh you know one of the kind of operating principles that i've had in my own life is whatever i'm going to do or jump into a new space i want to identify the top one to two percent of the people in that space and try to get proximity to them and whether that's paying them whether that's trying to you know create value for them so it can be reciprocated I really want to be around the beer on the very best people. And it's not just even to be around the best people, but then naturally you're connecting with their circle and with their advisors and their mentors and their tax attorneys and their, their whole team. Right. And so I, you know, you know, I, I think what I'd add on to that too, is that, you know, when I was young, I remember thinking, Hey, when I grew up, like my, my definition of having made, it would be making a hundred grand. Like it was like really unrealistic, but like, one day, maybe I could possibly potentially make a hundred grand. That'd be crazy. Right. But then you start hanging out with, uh, you know, the, the CEO of this company and, you know, billionaire and flying around on, on, on the, on the, on their personal airplane and just seeing how some of these guys operate and some of these huge, um, you know, apartment syndicators and different people, business gurus. I'm like, man, I'm thinking so small. And I really do believe that our biggest limitation is our, is our belief system. It's what we think about ourselves. It's how we see our potential. And so anything we can do to increase that mindset and and kind of get rid of those limiting belief systems, I think is a very, very valuable investment. And so, you know, whether that's investing in seminars or books, or whatever else, it's invaluable. And I, I really do believe it's the best ROI you can get on your, on your money. Even if you don't have a lot of money, I think that's still a great starting point. If people come to me like, hey, I have 50 grand, how should I get started in real estate? And I'm like, okay, is that all that you have right now to invest? If the answer is yes, I'm probably going to say, I think you should probably invest that more into, you know, some conferences, some seminars, a mastermind, build, invest in yourself and build your knowledge, your base of knowledge, so that then you can go and operate with more, um, not just confidence, but also um, competency. And so I, I would share that. And then um, maybe just one more thing on that would be, we live in the most amazing time where you can literally learn about anything at the tip of your fingertips. I mean, podcasts like this podcast, you guys have phenomenal content. I love it. And this is free. You guys aren't charging anything for it. It comes out twice a week. Like, and there's a, a, a thousand other podcasts about real estate. Like if you want to learn, it's all out there. You know, one of the commitments I've made to myself is to 
listen to uh, a book, an, an audio book, at least every every other week. So I'll knock out 26 books a year. And I do that every time I'm driving my car. I committed to not listening to music, even though I love listening to music. But when I work out or I'm driving, I always listen to a, a, an audio book. It's just a simple commitment that I made, but I'm learning more about apartment investing and different, you know, creative financing terms, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think it really comes down to just your mindset and being coachable and really seeking out, you know, committing to becoming a student of the game of real estate. I love it. Um, last question we always ask everybody is, uh, what's your definition of generational wealth? <laughs> First. That's awesome. Um, okay, so in my in my my true form, I'm going to say I have two answers. That's okay. Uh, I think that generational wealth is, you know, one is it's the economics, it's the money, it's the cash flow, and, and the way that's distributed in the future. But you know, maybe perhaps even more importantly, to me, generational wealth is, you know, I have four children, amazing kids, you know, young between ages six and and fifteen, and to me. My idea of generational wealth is that I want it's my legacy. Um, you know, it's it's the it's the mindset that I instill in my children, and how they are going to go and interact with the world, and the impact they will make in their world. And hope is that they will add more value than they take. And uh, you know, and I so we launched the All Red Foundation recently. It's a charitable foundation, and uh, you know, each of my children are on the board of directors, and they just got to choose their own. Uh, charitable foundation, you know, and so they, they each own their own, you know, found um, uh, charity we're giving back to. And anyway, we don't, we don't have time to go into all the details on that. Maybe, maybe round two, if you guys have me back out on our yeah, podcast. Sure. But, um, so I'd say number one is it's the legacy. It's, uh, it's, it's how my children, you know, view the world and the impact that they make uh, in this world. But uh, in terms of the more traditional answer with generational wealth, to me, what that means is, it's it's passing down assets that are going to create enough cash flow for my children and their children to be able to live a life of significance and to have the doors of, of opportunity opened up for them. And, uh, and and I truly believe the very best way to do that is through commercial multifamily. Um, you know, you guys know that, but you know, it keeps up with inflation. It's consistent passive income. You know, rent rates go up over the years. I, I don't know of a better way to create a, a better vehicle to create true generational wealth than commercial multifamily investing. And so, but ultimately it comes down to cash flow. I'm a cash flow investor. And so it's, it's providing cash flow for the kids. But I do think it's important. I think one of the worst things I could do is just pass down a billion dollars of, you know, passive income generating real estate to my kids. Uh, instead, you know, we have a state, we have trusts set up and those trusts have, you know, each each child have that performance requirements, such as you know going to college and getting a certain GPA. Uh, when they get married, there's a certain release of a certain amount of dollars to help them with you know that uh, the honeymoon and yeah, first home. You know, when they if they start a business, then the estate will uh, will match dollar for dollar contribution to help them you know kind of get that company up and running, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I think it's really unhealthy, actually, to just you know let your children have everything without having any having to earn it or work for it. I really love that answer. I feel like um, 
recently we've had a handful of people answer that question and I've noticed that the people who are successful in their life and who are doing a lot of personal growth I love that you define generational wealth as also instilling that education and knowledge into your children that they can then you know carry with them and pass on to their families I think that is so awesome it's just great kids came in right now even my nine-year-old and I'm like hey what hey son what what's the best type of income they would everyone would say passive income <laughs> I love it and and they have a competition right now they all want to if you can get their first rental property um my son's nine his, his goal is by age 12 to have his first rental property you know my oldest is 15 she wants to you know get a jeep for her first vehicle at 16 and she knows very clearly that i will not be buying that for her but i will jv with her on a you know a, a, a duplex or fourplex or some real estate that will create enough passive income to be able to pay for that jeep payment for her um you know same thing like a college you know 529 college education fund I used to invest in those, but now I'm like, what? No, no I'm a, we're going to have a fourplex for each one of our children that will pay for their college expenses. And so, anyway, we don't. Have to, I know you're wrapping it up, and I, I go long on these podcasts. No, it's so awesome. It's great. Love it. It's just kind of a mindset, right? You want to teach the kids how to how to approach this and how to how to win at. Unfortunately, you know, in the in the in the public school systems, there really is no education. There's no uh, education given in terms of how to be a good investor, how to be a good steward of your personal finances, which is crazy to me. Personally, there's a reason for that. It's kind of a, we will be on that road though. But, uh, yeah. Like, why would we not be teaching our children that, you know, like how to be responsible investors and how to make their money work for us. And unfortunately, there's not really any, it's not even discussed in the, in the public school system. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to have a, a round two to this because uh, there's just a lot more to talk about, you know. And I, too, I think we're very much philosophies are the same, so it's really awesome. But, um, Dave, where is the best way for people can find you, learn more about you or your fund? And then, um, once again, you know, thanks for the time. Thanks for coming on. This has been super awesome. And it's just cool to hear you talk when, like, you're, you know, you're more aligned with somebody than you know when you just hear they're, like, just ask some questions and it's like, our answers would be very similar. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Kenny, ever since I first met you, man, I thought I, I knew, I knew we had a lot of common ground together. So I'm glad we could finally get this podcast out together. So I appreciate you guys. Um, best way to contact me would probably just be on, on social media, uh, Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. It's Dave Allred, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, same email, Dave at <clears throat> Axia, uh, axiapartners.com. And, uh, yeah, but uh, it should be pretty easy. I'd say mainly Instagram is definitely where I'm most, uh, uh, you know, most uh, most active. So, but guys, I appreciate you, and uh, I love the podcast, love the content, and uh, grateful to, for the opportunity to jump on with you guys today. Thanks yeah, so much awesome. for coming on. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. See you guys. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>